When we join together in unity, significant things happen. So come as you are, just as you are, joining together from all walks of life to honor our King, to edify his church and echo his heart. So come, come with your faults and your failures. Bring your confusion, your questions, your busyness, your pressures. Come with your doubt and unbelief. Come with your worry and worthlessness. Come with your emptiness and your brokenness. Bring all your weakness and allow him to be your strength. Come to the one who placed the stars in the sky and yet holds you in his hand, who set the world in motion, the creator of heaven and earth. Come to the one who formed humanity from dust and breathed life into an empty shell. Come to the one who left heaven's glory and paid for your salvation with his life. He's not looking for a performance or perfection or any kind of pretense. He knows you fully anyway. And he waits for you, longs for you. This is your invitation. You belong in this house, in this moment, in the here and now. We are the church, his church, together as one body, and he calls you. So let us gather as one, bringing the little that we have, for when we place our little in the hand of God, significant things happen. Unity creates a sound, a sound of significance, a sound of praise, a sound of victory and of triumph. When we join with one another in unity, standing shoulder to shoulder, we will not be shaken. Undivided, we will stand firm. We will be his sound, his voice, his love, showing his kindness and reflecting his heart. So come as you are, just as you are. For when we join together in unity, significant things happen. Have you enjoyed the house series? It's been a brilliant series, hasn't it? I just want to pick up on a couple of things while we're all together that uh, I think is going to help us, um, help us gel us together. And just, I've got, I feel something quite prophetic for us as a church, that uh, if we can deal with some of the things that are inside of us, then we are about to take off to something new. And I believe that God is stirring our hearts, he's, he's moving the church into something new, and as we are faithful with the words that he's calling us to, God will open new doors, new opportunities as we move towards the horizon. I, I really enjoyed going around the churches and talking to you about uh, the horizon and sharing those things. It just freed me up a little bit tonight just to share a word from my heart. Are you okay with that? I, I think there's different types of lost. I saw this cartoon the other day and I thought this is, really does explain that you have different types of lost. You, you have two different people, you have one on the island and the other one on a rescue raft and they both see each other and went, yeah we're saved because 
Yeah, that's just the way it is, isn't it? There's one on the island thinking someone's come to rescue me and the other one's been out in sea for ages and here they are looking at each other saying exactly the same thing but they're as lost as each other. I, I, had, this, I had this experience when Ali and I are driving. Uh, we were driving from Milan back to our, our apartment and we were religiously following the sat-nav and the sat-nav broke down. And I looked at... Ali and Ali looked at me and we went, we have no idea where we are. That is the thing that's different today. If you're old enough, you remember pre-Satnav days where you had to plan where you're going to go and you would write it out meticulously, stage after stage after stage, and you'd have it on your dashboard. Now we just press it into the Satnav and off we go and in Satnav we trust until it goes wrong and then we're lost. Have you ever been in a conversation where someone is talking and you're nodding and just laughing at the right moment and you're thinking, I have no idea what they're talking about. But you keep going, ha 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 And then they say something and you get carried away and you laugh heartily and they say, no, she died. Genuinely she died. Uh, you can just get lost in that conversation uh, and you're just like, oh, I'm, I'm a Scooby-Doo, what's going on around here? Just, you're lost. Uh, I remember Abby was on her bike and she uh, still had stabilisers on her bike. It was only about a couple of years ago. And um, <laughs> Jack was far more adventurous, two years older. And we used to keep saying to Jack, Jack, go to the next intersection and stop. We'll catch you up. And, and off he'd go, whiz off, wait at the intersection, we'd catch up. Go to the next intersection. Well, we got to the intersection, Jack wasn't there. We're like, where's Jack? Right. And Abby's going, where's Jack, Dad? I said, I don't know. Now, you stay here. She's five years old. I'll just quickly go up this way, have a look. Quickly go this way, have a look. Couldn't find Jack anywhere. Uh, Abby's now panicking. I'm pretending not to panic. And we're looking everywhere. We couldn't find Jack anywhere. So in the end, I, I, I just went to a door and knocked on a door. And I blurted out, can I use your phone? It's desperate. My son, I've lost my son. I, I phone home. Ali, is Jack home? No, Jack's not home. I'm like, we have lost Jack. She says, no, you have lost Jack. <laughs> so the two of us cycled home as quick as we could. And I'm thinking, God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Open the garage, pull up the garage. Jack's bike is in the garage. Walk into the house. He's sitting there watching TV. I said, Jack, I told you to wait at the intersection. He said, Dad, I did, but you never turned up. He said, so, I just cycled home. I said, how did you know how to cycle home? He said, I didn't. I just kept going till I found something familiar. And then I went, oh, Dad's driven down this road before. And he just cycled back, got into the garage, not thinking the whole of his family are panicking and watch TV. Now, I was caught between... You're grounded for the rest of your life. And well done, son, for taking initiative. So I said nothing and just walked out the room. 
In the Bible, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus introduces us to three types of lost. Now, if you've been a a Christian for a long while, you will know these stories. He talks about a lost sheep. He talks about a lost coin. And he talks about a lost son or lost sons. Three types of lost. Just to save time, I haven't got time to read it because it's around about 30 verses. But these are just stories that Jesus told to illustrate three types of lost. What struck me is that each time he told a story about someone being lost, he was also indicating there was a place where you could be found. There was a home for every person or every item in each story. And although, you see, if you're lost, you know you're lost because you know where home is. Because somehow when you're lost, you just intuitively know where you're supposed to be. You just don't know how to get there. So Jesus starts with a story where he talks about a sheep that is lost. And this is a wonderful story. And the, the story, the picture, and uh, if you've been in Sunday school, if you've been in, in church, you would have seen a picture that looks something like this, a classic lost sheep story. Jesus finding the lost sheep. The story is this, how the shepherd is counting the 99 in And he knows he has a hundred sheep, but there's one missing. And he does this crazy, reckless thing. He leaves the 99 in the house, in the pen, in the sheep house. And he goes and finds or looks or searches until he finds the lost sheep. You see, the reason why that sheep is lost, inside the sheep knows He's supposed to be somewhere else. He just doesn't know how to get back. Doesn't know how to get there. So in this story, the shepherd leaves the house and goes and finds the sheep. The sheep, I remember when I was five years old, my eyes were wide as my children's leader told this story of the sheep that had a broken leg and was tangled in brambles and was bar bar barring and were, every time the sheep moved the brambles would go around the neck and it was it was dying and it was cold and it was night and it was going bah bah and then the shepherd came and ripped out the brambles and then lifted up the sheep and put the sheep on his shoulders and even as a five-year-old I realised I was the sheep. I didn't know how to get home. But the shepherd came and found me and connected me, picked me up and carried me home. See, in this room tonight, there are people here who know there's more than what we have You just don't know how to find it. And you're stuck. And the more you struggle with what you're doing, you find yourself just getting yourself deeper and deeper into trouble. Well, the shepherd will come and find you tonight. 
and he will pick you up. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have eternal life. He will come and pick you up. The Bible also tells us that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all righteousness. He says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me make a promise to you. If you're the lost sheep tonight and you've never known Jesus, Jesus will come to you, rescue you from where you are and bring you back home. You see, there's a seat for you at home. There's a, there's, we've been waiting for you. See, tonight we've been expecting you. We, we have kept a seat vacant for you because our house is your house because our house is God's house and God dwells in this place and he says we have a place for you tonight before you go home don't go home thinking you're lost and an orphan there is a place for you in this house there is a place for you in this house the shepherd will come and find you so that was the lost sheep then he moves to another story. I'm thinking, that was a good story. I like that story. You jump to another story, the lost coin. What's the lost coin about? Let me tell you what the lost coin is about. It's a story about someone who is lost, but lost in the house. There's someone who knows what it means to be rescued who knows that their sins are forgiven. They know and they've received the grace of God on their life and they've walked into the house and they've received this love and forgiveness and grace. But somewhere on the line, you've forgotten what you're about. You're sitting in the house tonight you know you're born again. In fact, you keep turning up, but somewhere down the line, you are like the lost coin. Somehow, in, this, in, the, in the course of life, someone reached across the dresser and caught you like they caught a coin, and it just slipped down the side of the dresser and rolled underneath, and it seems that no one noticed. And you just found it easier just to stay there. No one cares. No one seems to be interested. I'll just stay here. At some point in your life, you knew. You see, a coin has a value. It's meant to be spent. It's meant to be used for something. But somehow it's just got stuck in the corner of a, of a room somewhere, in the corner of a church, in one of the chairs on the seventh row. No, I'm not talking about you, it's all right. But you've got caught up in something. 
Maybe you found yourself in a position where you were enjoying serving and then someone said something, someone did something, someone made something very awkward and instead of dealing with it, you just went, "Mm, I'm just going to chunder in the corner here. That's usually the best way to deal with things, to chunder, chunder, chunder and have a bit of a moan and a bit of complain. That's the best way to deal with that and then that became normal. And everything moved around you, and you got stuck. In 1660-something, there's a man called John Bunyan who was put in prison because he preached, and he didn't preach in a church. He preached outside. And they said, you're not allowed to do that, so they put him in prison. And while he was in prison, he wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress. If you haven't read this book... Read this book. It talks a story of a man called Pilgrim who carries this burden called sin. And he eventually meets Jesus at the cross and the burden comes off. And he changes his name from Pilgrim to Christian. And the whole book is about the story of the journey of this person. And he catches up with a friend called Hopeful. That's great, isn't it? And the two of them are walking along and the road gets really stony. It gets a bit difficult. And they notice that just to the side is a lovely meadow called Bypass Meadow. And the grass is lush. It's easier to walk on the grass than the stones. The path is going this way, but they take Bypass Meadow because they think it's easier. And off they go. And before they know it, they meet a giant called Despair who captures them and sticks them in a prison. And they lose hope. They're sitting there in despair. They're sitting there with this burden. They're thinking, how did we lose our way? i tell you how you lost your way. You got off the path. It was a bit difficult. In fact, Paul writes this, he said, he says, you were running so well, who cut in on you? You were running a good race, who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? The story goes on, the giant literally attempts to get Christian to commit suicide. I can't go up can't go down, I'm stuck, I'm the lost coin. Christian reaches into his pocket and he finds a key. He says, hopeful, I found a key. The key was called the key of promise that was given to him. And the key of promise in this story unlocks the doors of the dungeon that he's in. It unlocks the doors of the corridors and he starts to break out. Why? Because he starts to remember the promise that God spoke in his life. You see, Jesus in the story said, turn the house upside down. Do not settle for this lostness. Do not settle for this moment. Remember what God has spoken over you. Get the whole dusty thing off you. You have a life to spend. You have a life to give. Turn it upside down. Turn the furniture upside down. Turn your friendships upside down. Say, I remember that God has a promise for my life. 
I might be in the house and I might be lost, but it's all changing from today onwards. I am going to find God's promise in my life again. I'm no longer going to be lost in the house. I'm going to start serving again. Bypass Meadow can look like compromise. That'll do, you say. That'll do. It's good enough. God's calling you higher. This is not a time just to say, it's good enough. It's time to go, stir in me, God. Stir the fire in me again. I'm just not going to live with that's good enough anymore. I'm not going to compromise my position. Avoid bypass meadow. Bypass meadow can look like, oh, I'm tired. In other words, I can't do. <laughs> I'm tired. Well, take a nap. If that doesn't work, take a break. Just don't quit. Don't quit. If you're tired, have a sleep. If you're tired, go on holiday. Have a break. Don't quit. Don't go, oh, take the easy route. Oh, maybe if I stop. Maybe I'll stop. Yeah. Don't become the coin that's in the house that becomes lost. Are you following me here? Right? You are meant to be spent for the glory of God. You have a purpose that is meant to be spent out. I don't want to get to the end of my life with some loose change. I want everything that God's given to me to be spent out. I want to finish my life with empty pockets that every coin that's been given to me has been spent for the glory of God. And you lost your spirit of gen- generosity. Bypass Meadow can look like that. You say, I just won't do. Uh, What I mean by this is, I find this, I'm generous to someone and someone pushes it back in my face. They take me for granted. And I feel, that's a bit unfair. And my next thought is this, I'll show you. I ain't going to be generous with you again. But actually what happens is you say, I ain't going to be generous, full stop. I'm going to protect what I've got. I'm going to keep this coin. And you hide it. And then you forget where you hide it. And the coin becomes lost. You're meant to be generous. Come on, people. You're meant to be a generous people. You know... Generosity, true generosity, is when it hurts. When you go, oh, that's going to cost me. Ah, you're being generous right there. Right there. That's the point you're being generous. When it pushes you to that point. Come on, let's turn the light on. Let's get some revelation here. Let's get some, come Holy Spirit, turn my world upside down. Turn the furniture upside down. Cause a dust storm in my life until that coin that you promised me becomes active again, is in my wallet, and I am going to spend it for the glory of God. Be ruthless with the lie that distracted you. Be forgiving to the person that offended you. And be joyful to the unfair circumstances that trouble you. Lastly, the lost son. When I read this, I thought, this is a story where the boy went up to his dad, all attitude-like. Hey, dad, 
I can do better than you. Give me your inheritance or my half of the inheritance and I'm going to spend it. And amazingly, the father agrees. I can imagine the people listening going, who's this crazy man who gives away his inheritance to this teenage attitude, clearly immature young man? But he doesn't. He goes. And the boy gets lost. He messes up. And he ends up living in a pigsty. To a Jew, that's not a great place to be. Well, for any of us, to be honest, come to think of it. He is well and truly lost. Now, if we learn from the first story, the shepherd goes out and the boy goes, bah, bah, and the shepherd, oh no, you're not a sheep anymore. You're a son. The father, this time, doesn't go running after you. He goes to the edge of his land and stands at the gate and longs for you to return longs for you to return come home son notice he doesn't come and find you you know why because you know how to get home you know how to get home you're just too proud to do it and he will not pander to your pride don't care grow up come home there's a place for you in the house interestingly the other son the one with the attitude is like the coin he's in the house but he's lost but I haven't got time to talk about that (laughs) father waits And there's people in this place today who've gone, I know I'm lost. Come and find me, Jesus. Jesus says, no. You know where I am. Swallow your pride and come home. Come home. Come home. You are a son, not a sheep. You are a son. You are a daughter. You are a son, you are a daughter. You know where home is. Type it into your sat-nav and follow. The son has to get to this place. Now, if you notice, if you, if you read the scripture, as he's going home, he starts to think, I'm going to do a deal with my father. He says, I'm not worthy to be called your son. Please accept me as one of your servants. I am not worthy, he's going it in his head, I am not worthy to be called your son, just accept me as one of your servants. I'm, and he's thrown it in his head, uh, dad's not going to accept me as a son, uh, if I could work as a servant, because I know the servants, they have it good, it's not quite the son, but at least I'm round about the house, and that's better than where I am. And he's trying to negotiate a deal in his head where he thinks he deserves... A, a fitting, a place in the house. God says, no deal. 
I ain't doing deals with you. It's very easy. Come home, you are my son. Come home, you are my daughter. Come home, you are my son, not my servant. Come home, you are my daughter, not my domestic. Sons and daughters in the house. But I, you know, what I've done, I just don't deserve it. You never deserved it in the first place. The Bible calls it justified. Just as if I'd never done anything wrong in the first place. Can you get your head around that? Just as if I'd never done anything wrong in the first place. Embraced as a son. And I want to say to everybody, listen, swallow your pride and come home tonight. There's a place in the house for you. My friend used to do a discipleship course, and let me just tell you this quick story, and, because I think it, it's how we mess up in our heads, how we miss out on this whole son and servant thing. He ran a discipleship course, and it was residential, and most of the people on the course were like 18, 19, 20, but he had an older man on the course, about 25, 26, who was, he was, he was outstanding. And everybody loved him, and he was one of those guys who would go the extra mile. He had great leadership skills. He was very pastoral, pulled everybody together. And each night, he would say, guys, I'm going to the shed because I'm going to pray. I'm going to meet with God. And everybody was like, whoa, he's off to the shed to meet with God. And they thought he was amazing. Even my friend said he was an amazing young man. And as the weeks became months... He decided there was something just not quite clicking. So he followed him to the shed. He walked into the shed and through a crack in the window, the, the, the young man furtively pulled up a cover and pulled out a bottle of whiskey. He hadn't told anybody, but he was an alcoholic before he turned up and he kept it secret. But he knew he couldn't keep his secret in the house. So he found a way to keep something in the shed. And he wasn't going to meet with God at all. He was honing a little secret that he knew he couldn't keep in the house. And I think this is the flip side of what goes on with us sometimes. We want to be embraced as a son. We want to be embraced as a daughter. But we kind of keep these little secrets in a shed. And so we go into the house and we're, yeah, everything's great. And then when we think no one's looking, we just tiptoe out to the shed. And we have this little secret that nobody else knows about. But we know that God would not be happy with it. We know, we know. So even though you are a daughter, you act like a domestic. Even though you are a son, you live this double life to try and keep one thing enhanced and try not let go of the other. 
You don't need to live in the shed. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from everything except your bit in the shed. All unrighteousness, everything. See, to fully embrace your sonship, to fully embrace your daughterhood, you have to say, I'm not going to live in the shed anymore. I'm going to break that shed down. I'm going to smash this thing that's like a pseudo, a pseudo house. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a house, but it's not a house at all. It's not where God's called you to live. He's called you to live in his glory. He's called you to live in his grace. He's called you to live in this joy, in this fullness of the life he's called you to live as a son and a daughter and all the benefits that go with it why are you compromising with this thing break the shed down in the name of Jesus smash it down take a sledgehammer to it I'm either a son or I'm not I'm either a daughter or I'm not there I want to live in his house Let me finish this message because I don't want you to go out feeling lost. I don't want you to be the sheep without a chance to be rescued tonight. And you can respond to that message tonight before we finish. And there's some people here you've gone, yep, I'm the coin. I'm just going to stir that up again. God, let my life be full of purpose to be spent for your glory. And there's some people here, you're living with this I'm a son, I'm a servant, I'm a daughter, I'm a domestic. And you're caught within and without. Can I just say, swallow your pride, smash the shed, get back in the house. Because you are going to flourish in this house. You will flourish in this house. In his presence, there's fullness of joy. In his presence, there is hope. In his presence, an understanding of his purpose for your life. The light comes on. And revelation comes to you tonight. Come on, let's just pray, please. In a moment, I'm going to ask certain groups to stand before we all join you. Okay? And my first shout out goes to the sheep tonight. And you're lost. And you know you're lost. You know you've got your tangled and you've never, you know there's a place for you, you know there's a home for you, but you have no idea how to get there. And I just want to extend to you first the opportunity to be rescued by the great shepherd and to welcome you into the house tonight. And if that's you, I have some courage to stand and let God minister to you right now. That's fantastic, come on. Yeah. The shepherd comes to you, comes to you right where you are. So proud of you. He comes to bring you home. There's a place for you. Now I ask you to stand. You're the coin in this house. You know that you have purpose in your life, but you've got lost. Maybe you fitted into one of those categories in Bypass Meadow and you've taken an easy option and 
somehow you feel forgotten and maligned and the Holy Spirit comes to you and says come on I'm going to stir the purpose in you again I encourage you to stand now that's it stand in the presence of God that's right God's going to stir purpose in you again He's going to dust it down and turn the furniture upside down so you are here to be spent for a purpose and lastly you are a son you are a daughter but somehow you've got yourself in a position where you know where to go but you need to swallow some pride tonight and I ask you now to stand and say welcome home come back into the house son come back into the house daughter and receive the fullness I ask you to stand now that's right I ask you to stand now, come home, come home right across the place, the balcony, on the floor, that's wonderful, and church, come on, let's all stand together as we embrace the people who've come back into the house tonight, come on, let's, let's applaud the Lord, for He is good.